Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming, host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic They make me feel polished and modern, and the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at McLaughlin, and so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands, and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers, and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z-ZIBBY20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white, open, long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corning America. Check it out, Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. And definitely check out those shows as well. I hope you'll all check out the all new Zibby Mag, Z I B B Y M A G, the literary lifestyle destination with essays, book news, a lit lifestyle feature 
and events and classes. Check it out, zippymag.com. Stephanie Robel is the author of This Might Hurt and the international best-selling author of Darling Rose Gold. She grew up in Chicago, but has been living in the UK for the past three years with her husband and dog, Moose Barkwinkle. She has an MFA from Emerson College and has had short fiction published in Bellevue Literary Review. Before turning to fiction, she worked as a creative copywriter at various advertising agencies. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss This Might Hurt. Thank you so much for having me, Zibby. My pleasure. And I was just looking at your pie lady pie at Pie Lady Books with the plate that you said she made out of sugar. That's so cool. Yeah, I know. She's so talented. Like every time she posts a new one, I'm like, ooh, what she's up, what's she up to next? Totally, totally. I have this dream to open a bookstore. I want to call it crummy books and sell like crumb cakes and books. And anyway, I tagged her and I'm like, well, maybe she could make the pies and it could be a whole thing. And oh, anyway. I got dream store. Right? Yeah. This is my I'll new be your first customer. <laughs> my new vision. Just have to figure out where to put it. Anyway, we talked last about Darling Rose Gold. And actually we first met at that what do you call it? Like a party media, whatever that Berkeley had right forever ago. And since then, now you have this new book out. Tell everybody about this book and, and do it. And maybe we'll go back to Darling Rose Gold in case people are new listeners and hadn't heard about it last time. Sure. So this might hurt is my second book and it's about three women and two of them are sisters named Natalie and Kit Collins. When the book starts, Natalie hasn't heard from her sister in six months because Kit has gone away to this private retreat on an island off the coast of Maine and and the, the retreat is called Wisewood. And so the rules are very strict there. No outside contact with family and friends. We're all focused on our inner selves, make like reaching our maximized selves. And so because of this, Natalie hasn't heard from Kit for six months, but just around the time when she expects that Kit should be coming home, she instead gets an email from the Wisewood account that says, we know what you did. Would you like to tell your sister or should we? And so that really sets the novel in motion. It gets Natalie going to Maine, going to find her sister, hopefully to come clean with her and try to bring her back home. Wow. And do like a flashback synopsis if you even or if you even remember your elevator pitch for Darling Rose Gold. Just that has been a while. That, that one is probably a little rusty, but <laughs> so so Darling Rose Gold is my debut, and that was a story of two women, a mother and daughter. It starts with the mother getting out of prison. She's been away for five years for abusing her daughter. And so the story takes place in two timelines. Um, the mother's perspective, Patty, is in the present day, um, starting with her getting out of prison. And then the daughter's perspective, Rose Gold, starts five years earlier, and it really goes through the journey that happens while her mother has been away at prison. And let's just say their reunion is chat to put it mildly. (laughs) Where are you coming up with the ideas for these books? I think it's just, you know, each one is like sort of just uh, something that obsesses me. So, you know, with the first one, I, I really couldn't understand like people with Munchausen by proxy, which is the illness that Patty, the mother has where caregivers fake or induce illness in their, in their charges. I really wanted to get in the head of, you know, what sort of parent does this? Do they actually think they're doing what's best for their child? Do they know they're doing something wrong? And then with This Might Hurt, it was really about cults. So Wisewood is calling itself a retreat, but it's operating very much as a cult, whether they think so or not. And it really started with wanting to know what kind of person joins a cult, what kind of person starts a cult. And so those are two of the points of views, um, a member and a leader. And then the third one is that sort of outsider who is trying to, you know, pull the member out of the clutches of it. 
who is most in danger of joining a cult? So it's actually, you know, I was expecting to find like certain personality traits. You know, I did a lot of research in real life cults and it actually, the only commonality I could find across every single one was somebody searching for something more, which is incredibly general, I realize, but you know, it, it definitely wasn't a case of education or wealth or gender or race. It was anybody could be susceptible if you hit them at just the right or wrong time in their lives where, you know, they're dissatisfied, they're looking for higher purpose, deeper meaning. And it actually helped once I came to that realization because it made the job of portraying someone who joins one a lot easier because I was like, oh, sure. Like I've, there's been moments in my life where I've been rudderless and sort of like searching for meaning. Like I didn't wind up in a cult, but you know, people don't join cults is the thing. They join social groups or churches or whatever. And it starts out pretty innocuous. And then it's slowly like, you know, things start to get a little more questionable and then shakier ground and so on and so forth. So, you know, a lot of times we watch these Netflix documentaries and the first episode is people in, you know, uniforms and cutting all their hair off and all of that stuff. But that's not how it starts. Of course, you know, it's, it's much more, it's much slower than that. And honestly, like a lot of these groups like do start out with a, with like good, you know, good changes coming into the world, trying to like do something positive. So it's not even a case from the beginning, you know, where anyone could really necessarily highlight or say, yeah, I don't know. I better watch out for that. Okay. So I'm not as worried anymore. That's amazing. Um, don't you wonder what people think after like all your cult Google searches and like, are you getting funny yeah. ads? No, but I'm sure I must be on some sort of like FBI watch, watch list. list. I, mean, I, think every, I think like every novelist has to be, you know, it's like you're Googling sorts of things like how long does it take a body to disintegrate? You know, you're just like, oh God, please like connect this with other things <laughs> online. But that's the job, I guess. <laughs> And what was it like structuring the book? When did, how did you figure out, like, did you have a whole plan ahead of time? Did it unravel? Like how much structure did you have when you started? Yeah. You know, I've realized, cause now I'm, I'm on the second draft of my third book as well. I've realized that I do always go in with a plan, but then like the, it completely unravels by the time I get to the second draft. So I almost, I've come to realize that the the plan is more just a security blanket for me to actually get the draft onto paper. And if it completely changes, which it has every single time, then so be it. So yeah, the, as far as the structure for this might hurt goes, I knew that, well, I started with the two, the the two perspectives of the leader and the member. I didn't know, I'm trying not to give anything away. That's why I'm hesitating. (laughs) I didn't know the third perspective would come in until a bit later, but that's Natalie, um, the outsider. She sort of represents the viewer. She's new to Wisewood. She doesn't know the rules, all of that stuff. I didn't know how I would interweave them. The book is broken into three parts and it's sort of like two perspectives in part one and then another two in part two and then them all in part three. So it was a lot of moving that stuff around. But I think once you know the beginnings and ends in terms of like the range of time, you know, one story takes place only over six months. Another story takes place over a lifetime, quite literally from, you know, five years old to whenever. (laughs) Um, So 
So yeah, those, for me, those things, as long as I know those things, I actually find structure quite interesting and easy. It's one of the easier challenges for me as a writer to kind of wrap my head around. And so I think that's why I'm constantly playing around with timelines and perspectives and stuff. Awesome. So crazy that you just get to do it however you want, right? You can be like, I'm going to jump into her mind and now I'll do a chapter from her point of view. No, actually, I think I'll keep it in her point of view. Like, wouldn't that be just so neat to do like walking down the street? Like, I think I'll take that point of view right now. I mean, well, yeah, it's, I mean, that's why, you know, getting into sort of your own creative world is so freeing because we can't control the world around us. And a lot of times, you know, it feels scary or unsettling, but this is a place where you are God and you do have total control. You can just jump from perspectives and what you say goes. So yeah, it's, it's delightful. Yeah. If you want to be in charge, write a novel, (laughs) write a novel. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Things feel a little too unsettled. Yeah. To, <laughs> come to Fiction World. They should do like an amusement park that's called Fiction World. You could just like, anyway, never mind. I'm going to stop. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So how did you end up being a writer? Go back to that. And I know that some of it like dovetailed when you were in London and I guess you just came back. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm transitioning currently from the UK to US just to be closer to family and stuff like that. But so I was a copywriter at several ad agencies before I was an author. So I was writing, you know, TV ads, radio, print, billboards, like all that good stuff. But writing books just didn't seem like a very reliable way to pay one's rent. So I was, it kind of was just like a back burner dream that I didn't take very seriously in my 20s. And then when I moved to London the first time, advertising is incredibly competitive there. And so I was just kind of bouncing around from freelance job to job. And then there was a long period of unemployment and that was tough. It definitely made me reassess things, but it also sort of gave me the little nudge to go, you know what, when is there going to be a better time than right now? So I said, I'll give myself two years to do an MFA because I had no, I'd never taken a creative writing class before and applied to schools in the States, um, ended up at Emerson in Boston and 
the thesis that I wrote there was Darling Rose Gold. So I didn't anticipate it going quite that well, but um, I did know going into the program, I want to write my first novel. I had started lots, never finished one. And I was like, this is, this is very like, I'm going to take this seriously. And I figured like, worst case, I get a degree out of it. Best case, maybe I get an agent or something. And I certainly did not expect it to then get published, but that was a lovely surprise. And here I am four years later. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Amazing. That's so exciting. So how does it feel just like being a novelist and like, that's your job? It's incredible. I mean, I will say the thing that nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but I think that doesn't get mentioned as much once you've made it, you know, so much of writing it, but career advice is about, you know, how to get the agent, how to get the book deal. But I think the thing that isn't discussed as much is like, once you have those things, at least for me, like I'm just terrified of losing them to just to be totally honest. So there is definitely a lot of fear of like, I know how lucky I am. I know that millions of people would like love to have the same job. And so there is a sense of just like, I have to like keep, you know, I have to try to do my best, but you know, of course, art is subjective, you know, you never know how it'll be received. So, so it's definitely a dream come true to sound completely cliche, but it's also, there's also like a healthy level of fear. That's just sort of like this idea of like, oh, I actually realized my dream and like, it is as wonderful as I thought. And now I'm like a little terrified of it being taken away. I feel like that's that's like the fear of motherhood too, a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I'm so excited. I love my kids so much, but there's always this deep-seated fear, like, what if? You know, and yeah. am I, you know, I don't know. It's like this deep rooted, not to make that not to make it oh, dark. Yeah. I know I, I can't even fathom that. Like if I had kids, I feel like I would like never sleep well another day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Can't even handle like my dog is about the level of worry <laughs> I can handle. So when you're not writing, what are you up to? So typically, well, pre-COVID times, a lot of travel. Living in the UK was great because it was such an easy jump to anywhere in Europe. So got to see a lot of that part of the world. I also love eating and cooking. So spent a lot of time doing that. Of course, reading. I mean, that's just kind of a given, I think, if you're a writer. But yeah, it's this year because of the transition between UK and US, it's just been um, a lot of jumping around, just trying to attend to all needs, trying to move. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a bit of a chaotic year, a bit more nomadic than usual, but it's kind of nice after, you know, three, two, three years of, you know, just being grounded because of the pandemic. That's awesome. Amazing. So like 10 years from now, what do you think? Assuming that nothing goes wrong, (laughs) where are you going to be? Where do you think you're going to live? Like what's your flash forward or what's on your wish list? On my wish list. So I will still be writing novels. I would also really like to break into screenwriting. That's a serious goal of mine, writing movies and TV in terms of lifestyle, I would really like to live somewhere where I can be very outdoors and, you know, hiking, beach, all that sorts of stuff. But yeah, to be honest, like it's, I feel like I'm very close to what I want, but it's just, there's a few things that I'm like, this would make it even better. Like on the the step to becoming a full-time author was really the biggest one. So now it's, it's more about developing as a writer, getting better at the craft, and then just sort of expanding into other mediums like screenwriting and just sort of experimenting with those kinds of things. And from your experience so far, what, what do you think needs to change about the publishing industry? Oh God. (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's, I was surprised coming into it, how slow moving it is. It's, 
interesting. I mean, I don't know what I would necessarily speed up about it because obviously you don't want to rush job, but it is weird talking about creative projects that you finished, you know, one to two years after, you know, you're already like, your heart is in like the next thing, very deep into the next thing. And I think readers are often surprised by that. They think, you know, oh, you just finished it. Like, you, you know, you're top of your mind, whatever. On the other hand, it's great to have that distance because you're not as vulnerable to it, I guess. Like after, you know, when you get those first reactions, of course, you're a little, not a little, you're, you're vulnerable, of course, but like the more they come in and the more distance you have from it, the more excited you are about the next project, the less scared you are of that. So I think, I don't know, that's, that didn't really answer your question. I think there's certainly changes inside the industry. I think continuing to publish more diverse voices, own voices, you know, it's, it's been great to see more women writers getting a lot of the spotlight. I feel like the publishing industry is also dominated by women, which is really lovely to have that sort of camaraderie. But my experience with my specific publishers has been wonderful. I really can't complain about that. I think it's more the things that I would like to see are more just, you know, the overall industry versus my specific publishers. Got it. Amazing. Any other advice for aspiring authors? Yeah, I always say, you know, the first piece would be to set measurable goals for yourself, which I know is like every writer says that, but really I do think you can languish forever on something, but if you don't like, if you don't set something for your, like, what am I working toward? It doesn't have to be super aggressive. If, you know, if time doesn't allow, I know everyone has busy schedules and full-time jobs, but I think whether it's X number of words or one chapter or 10 minutes or whatever, the sense of accomplishment that you have actually finishing a project or revising a project is, it really goes a long way, I think, into making you feel like a legitimate writer. Um, the second thing that I like to offer is getting feedback from a qualified source. So I think that means unless your family and friends are in the industry, like not necessarily family and friends, because in my case, at least they're going to tell me what I write is great, even when it's garbage, you know? So that's, I think a tricky thing. If you're not, you know, if you don't have contacts, which most of us don't, or if you haven't done a program, but there are lots of ways to get that feedback. And the last one is to educate yourself on the industry. And that's, you know, that's almost not almost, that's a job on its own. It's not just about the creative. Like you really also have to understand how the industry works, understand the process of querying to get an agent and all of that stuff. Some of it's easier to find than others. Like the getting an agent thing is there's loads of information online, but even being in the industry myself, there's stuff, you know, in terms of financials and things like that there, that's something that I wish is more. (laughs) I wish that the financials were less opaque and more shared. I think there, there can be a lot of secrecy around publishing. And I don't think that works to anyone's benefit. So I I do wish that that sort of information was more widely available. So yeah, those are my, that's a, there, that's a combo answer to your last two. I I like it. I'll take it. (laughs) Well, Stephanie, thank you so much. Thanks for coming back on Moms No Time to Read Books and telling us about This Might Hurt and all your, all the stuff you're up to. So thank you. Thanks, Libby. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.